Hustle culture is cute in theory, but eventually it leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment. Then again, as enticing as it sounds to sit in meditation for years as a monk, abandoning Western culture altogether is not really an option for most of us. So where is the in-between? I like to think of it as a world where dreaming big and living slow coexist. I'm Tia, host of Dream Big Live Slow, a podcast for entrepreneurs like myself seeking a life of soul-filled work that still allows time for those slow moments that make us feel the most alive. Join me as we break down realistic mindfulness tools used by real entrepreneurs working towards a life of both dreaming big and living slow. Also, be sure to check out the end of every solo cast episode for free guided meditations. All right, let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, we have Pia back on Dream Big Live Slow on the show. She is the owner and founder of Curate Wellco. That's a consulting and community platform for impact-driven entrepreneurs and innovators. And she does so much more than that. So I'm so excited to dive in and hear more about what you're doing for these small businesses. So Pia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to chat more. So can you just start by telling us a little bit about kind of your path and your journey to entrepreneurship and what led you to starting Curate Wellco? Yeah, absolutely. So I think like most entrepreneurs, I didn't necessarily set out to be an entrepreneur. I kind of like fell into it. So I had a career in people operations in the tech and startup worlds. I have kind of been on this lifelong quest to experience a sense of belonging. And without like realizing it, I ended up in people operations. And so I was building departments from the ground up. I was doubling national teams. I was spinning up infrastructures to support people function at tech and startup companies. I was working with C-suite leaders. I was creating systems that could be implemented replicably across the company. And uh, I was working in companies that were doing like really innovative and inviting things in really cool ways. So it was the career I always thought I wanted. And I hit this point where I just realized that it wasn't for me anymore. So I'd like hit the height of my career goals. And there was a lot that I loved about what I was doing. And I really thrived at the building part of my job. But I was sitting in a virtual meeting room alone because I had been stood up by my managers for not the first time. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, what does it really take to create meaningful impact, right? Like I'm at these companies that are doing these really, really cool things. And like, there's still this like broken link here. Like, what does it really take to connect a person, a process and a product in a way that makes a huge difference? And so what I'm really great at is sexy logistics, building structures that can be operated really seamlessly, bridging feedback between different parties fielding needs from a lot of different perspectives and transforming a really simple idea into like a complex living system. And so I started Curate Well Co. to do that on my own terms and to work with people who were looking to start their own businesses. And so I took the tools that I cultivated from 
scaling teams at these companies, concepts that I learned from working with some of the top tech talent in the country, and my natural ability to be super detail-driven, care really deeply about people and shift culture to create the approach that we have at Curate Wellco, which is our full stack approach, and apply it to leaders who are looking to build a brand and a business bigger than they are. Nice. Wow. Okay. Lots to unpack there, but I just think it's really important what you do because like structure and it's something that creative people might not be the best at. (laughs) And that's what a lot of us entrepreneurs are is like, you know, solid processes and structures and everything. So I'm curious, what kind of transformation have you seen in your clients and the people you work with? I mean, and how has it impacted them deeply? Because you talk a lot about impact, you know? So yeah, curious how that you've seen that in your own clients. Yeah, absolutely. So our clients are typically people who are experts at what they do, right? They spent a long time getting really good at what they do. And now they're looking to do that on their own terms in their own way. So they are working in industries that have some pretty like antiquated problems, right? And they've come up with a really intuitive solution, a really contemporary solution to a problem that like really just shouldn't exist anymore. They're really looking to change a narrative in their industry and to do something pretty drastically different than it's been done in the past. And they are very equipped to do that with their expertise. Where we come in is really helping them with the business strategy, with the structure that's going to support their scale and kind of shepherding them to market in a way that's going to stand out against everything else that's already out there. And so the transformation that we see kind of comes from that full stack approach, where a lot of the times our clients start their business, again, like they just kind of landed into it. And so a lot of our clients come to us and they're like, all right, I like kind of had this business idea or I've been in business for you know this amount of time and it's happened kind of organically or all of these referrals fell in my lap or I don't know how to do this, but like I'm kind of doing it. And I'm ready to have a strategic partner to really help me take what I'm great at and be able to create structures around it, to talk about it really meaningfully, to start compelling conversations, to build community around it, and to position you know, my agency, my brand, my thought leadership platform, my whatever it is, my consultancy, to be able to capture a certain percentage of you know the market that's available. And so we see people with a really big heart to serve and a really big vision actually like have that come to fruition. And what that looks like is, you know, websites launched, it looks like contracts secured, it looks like leaving a full-time job to own their business and operate in their business full-time. It looks like creating new arms of their business to enter into new markets as they continue to grow and expand. It looks like cultivating a community that is really bought into what they're doing and is really engaging in that like two-way communication that they're seeing come back over and over again to engage with their business and referring other people in and kind of having this cascading effect. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm curious then when you talk about building community and doing that in like a really authentic and intentional way, because you know, you want the right people aligned and understanding that bigger mission Mm -hmm. behind what you do. And so can you talk a little bit about, I mean, building a community sounds a little intimidating because you want to do it in the most authentic way possible. So how do you help people do that? Yeah, it's a really good question. So 
I think that the biggest misconception about community in like the social media new age business era is that it's a group of people, right? It's a noun, it's a label. Community is actually a verb. It has to be generated. And you generate community by creating a container where people feel a sense of belonging, where people get to both contribute and be contributed to. And so it starts with things like uh, shared beliefs and values. There are a lot of people that you can follow, engage with, read books from, consume from in like all of the different ways, and they can teach you things, right? There's like knowledge to be had and there's information to be transferred, and that's amazing. And people don't feel connected to that platform, connected to the other people who are there. Unless there is also, in addition to like knowledge, information, resources, a sense of belonging. And so it starts with that like shared beliefs and shared values, right? That's kind of the foundation of cultivating community. I think from there, it looks like starting conversations that people can actually participate in and really thinking about your consumer experience and how to take a kind of like we over me approach. So instead of, you know, I'm the business, I'm the figurehead, I'm the person who's posting on social media, it's really interactive, right? It's like you have a voice here, you get to contribute here, your opinion counts here. We're here to engage in this conversation together. We're here to help you feel seen and understood in ways that you maybe haven't before. And so that can be emotional, that can be social, that can be logistical. And it also sometimes looks like being of service in ways that make a difference too. Ah, that's beautiful. So when you say service, because you've brought up service a couple of times, and I've seen that in my own business. And I'm just curious when you say service, why is that an important piece of the puzzle of creating an intentional and authentic community? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I mean, I think it depends on what you do, right? I think that it's going to vary like business to business. But if you are, you know, a creative entrepreneur, you are creating a deliverable, right? People are hiring you to capture video or capture photos or design something or, you know, whatever it is. And there's a deliverable, right? And though outside of that, what they're going to remember about that experience is probably like the interactions that happened. Like, we got our website redone recently. And the thing that sticks out to me about that is like, oh, the project management was just like so smooth. Like, it's a beautiful website. It's a wonderful website. I love it. It turned out perfect. And when I think about like, you know, the process of updating the website, the thing I remember is like, oh, this person was there to like help me work through these kinks. Like, oh, this person was on top of these deadlines more than I was. So like, I didn't have to worry about it. And that's being of service, right? And so I think that, you know, it depends on your business, but generally speaking, people appreciate being considered and cared for. And that's really what being of service is, right? It doesn't mean that you like, you know, change someone's life overnight. It just means that you're considering the person who's on the other side of the interaction and you're doing the potentially like seemingly small things that can make a big difference for them, right? You're just thinking about it from their perspective. I love that. So that's the way that I think about it. I also think that we're living in a day and age where everyone can just use like a little bit more like graciousness, right? And like, if you have the ability to like extend a branch to someone and do something that makes their life a little bit easier or a little bit lighter, I think that's just something we all need right now. I love that so much because I think sometimes we think service has to be 
so big and grand and so much so overwhelming even. And it really is as small as just going a little extra when you're providing a service for someone. I love that. That's a great perspective. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I see that you talk a lot about scaling, and that is something huge that your company does for your clients, is help them scale in a way that is more intentional, scaling intentionally. So how do you even go about where to start? Because as entrepreneurs, we're kind of fed that all the time, that scaling is the goal and that you know we should scale at all costs. And that's how your success is almost defined. So can you tell us a little bit about your approach? Because it seems a little different than that mindset of how to scale in a more meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that we do approach this very differently. And at the foundation of that, the first thing that I always tell people is that there's not like one way to do this, right? I think the first step is that you need to define what scale actually means for you. So we work with people that really want to make a meaningful impact on the world, right? They want to change the way that people interact or behave. They are really here to fulfill on a mission. And they've got this like kind of revolutionary solution to be able to do that. And, you know, I'm a whole human, you're a whole human, our clients are whole humans, and there's so many different ways to grow your business. And so we use that term very, very loosely. And the first thing that we ask people is like, what do you want this to look like, right? What is like at scale actually mean to you? It doesn't necessarily mean that you launch an online course. It doesn't necessarily even mean more revenue. Maybe it just means that you work with a very small number of clients one-on-one every year, but you're booked out three years in advance because you have that market saturation. People know who you are. You've earned that trust in your consumer base. So I think that when we reference scale, we're talking about a bigness and a fullness that isn't necessarily tied to like the number of followers that you have or what your email funnels look like or whether or not you have passive income or anything like that. Uh, Yeah, that (laughs) is so good. That's so good because it's just a breath of fresh air because we hear it so much as entrepreneurs of just and almost feel pressure constantly to what's next and, you know, how do we continue to grow? And we often tie that to income, revenue, and even size of your company. So that kind of brings me to my next thought is like, when you talk about how you help your clients, but with your journey through scaling your own business, what has that looked like for you in doing it in a way that is intentional? Yeah, good question. So this is our 2022 is our third year in business. And so 2019 was kind of the year Curate Well Co. entered the world. And it was a lot of like really quick trial and error. It was a lot of really like rapid iteration. It was a lot of like very quick kind of intuitive decisions to find our foothold and like where we wanted to sit on the landscape of people doing really cool things. And then 2020 was the year that our business really took off. And so it was a like fast and I don't really want to say messy, but kind of just like fast and sudden growth. We really became kind of like a known name in certain, you know, corners of the marketplace. We 
you know, served a lot of people all over the world. It was great. And then 2021 was our like awkward teenage years of business. That's how I've been describing it. So 2021 was the year that we like learned all the hard lessons (laughs) about business growth. We had experienced a lot of growing pains. We had a lot of trials that we were really forced to confront in like all the best ways, right? It was all things we needed to approach, things we needed to address, things we needed to learn. And what our success looked like in 2021 was just getting super, super clear on like what Curate Wellco is here to do, what we're exceptional at, and how we like resonate most powerfully with the people we're here to serve. So we really built our like brand recognition. We really leaned into what we're great at in 2021. And we did see growth between 2021 and 2020. So even though it was a very challenging year, we did see, you know, increase from the year before. And though when I think about how we grew in 2021, it isn't really quantitative, Mm -hmm. right? When I think back to like the difference that 2021 made in our business trajectory, it's very much about like these qualitative aspects of really turning into the company that we have been trying to be all of this time. And so We took all of that information and our focus as it relates to growth or scale or whatever in 2022 is that we actually simplified everything. So we grew like kind of big and full and fast. And then we ran into a bunch of growing pains. And through those growing pains, we got really, really, really clear on what we're good at. And we kind of trimmed everything else away. And so 2022 is the year that we are super focused on a small number of objectives based on how we know we make the biggest difference, which is then going to create space for uh, certain expansions that support our longer term vision. Like I mentioned to you right before we started recording that we're launching a podcast. Oh, nice. And so would you say that you know, you kind of had to go through all of that pain <laughs> in order to get to 2021 and realize that what your strong suit was? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of things that we've known we've been good at, or that we've known as like kind of different about Curate Well Co since the beginning. And, you know, 2020 was kind of like a year of like everything just like going really, really well. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, that was great. And it was amazing, like proof of concept. It didn't necessarily present us with like, okay, like what are the things that are breaking as we're growing that we need to address if we want to keep growing? And so, you know, I'm not going to downplay it. Like personally, professionally, 2021 was like, oh my God, it was such a hard year for me. It was a hard year for the business. It just tested like everything we thought we knew about how we were doing things and where we were going. And like I said, we really just like leaned into that, right? Like halfway through the year, I was like, all right, I have no, like there's no getting around this. Like we just have to go through it. And so I just leaned into it and was like, what is this preparing us for? What is this teaching us? Why is this an issue? Like what's happening and how can we really examine those things and learn the things we need to learn and use this information, even if it's painful, even if it's hard, to build what is going to be a stronger company in the future. And, you know, because we don't really subscribe to the like online business culture and we're building something that I hope is still around, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that's doing all kinds of things in the world. It's okay for us to 
have a year like that to learn those things because we're building something that we want to stand the test of time. That's amazing. That mindset shift, I think so many people will find valuable in their pursuit and in their journey. I mean, what advice would you have for someone like in the thick of that? Because I'm sure many of us on our entrepreneurial path come across, you know, those periods of intense, like, I kind of want to throw in the towel, (laughs) you know, what advice would you have for someone? Yeah, absolutely. I think my biggest advice is around learning to take feedback. I think it's one of those things that we're never really taught how to do, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're not taught how to hear, receive, and implement feedback. It's definitely like a learned skill. And I was lucky enough to have been in some developmental environments where I was like very much coached through learning that skill. And I think that that is one of the one of like a very small number of things that helped me navigate that period of time where I was just like questioning, right? Like, is this worth it? What do I do? Where do I go from here? And I think that the reason that I was able to navigate through that is because of the skill that, you know, I have cultivated over a very long time to be able to take feedback and to kind of separate the emotional part of that and actually look at the data of like, what is this telling us, right? Like objectively, like, what does this mean? What are we looking at? How did this happen? And what is there for us to do next? And so I think that it's hard when we're entrepreneurs, right? Like it's our life's work, right? It's so close to like what we care about. And it's something that we poured so much into like building and nurturing. And, you know, we've tended to this business like so much. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard sometimes to separate ourselves from that, right? Sometimes it feels personal when we're going through something hard or something happens, or there's a customer service issue or like whatever it is. And I think that my biggest piece of advice would be to learn how to separate the emotional experience of that from like, what is the data that I'm getting in this feedback? And I'm not saying like, don't feel the feelings, like feel them, just remove them from like, what's actually happening here so that you can leverage that data to, you know, do something meaningful and grow from it. That is so helpful. Yeah, I've never thought about that. But you're right. It is one of the most valuable skills as, you know, an entrepreneur and a creative even. So how are you then, as your business grows and as you're navigating all these challenges, what are you doing for yourself? Like, how are you caring for your mental health? Because, you know, this podcast is about dream big, live slow. It's about really pursuing your dreams, but also slowing down enough to remember, you know, have that perspective of what matters in life. And your mental health is definitely one of those. So... Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. This is something that I struggle with. I think as a lot of us do, right? I have big goals and I'm not always great at remembering to do things for myself. And, you know, I've kind of done the extreme the other way. And where I'm at right now is starting to rebuild a lot of those things into my life. So between, you know, the business growing so significantly over a fairly short period of time, the pandemic, like my whole like world kind of got like tipped upside down. And so you know, I'm at a place now where I'm starting to rebuild in a lot of those things that really help me feel my best from a mental health perspective. And also, you know, in other areas of my life, I do get support. I have support from a therapist. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. If no other reason, then, you know, we spend so much time being of service to other people. It's so 
supportive to have someone who is just like there for you, right? Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. But like minimally, that in and of itself is huge. And I've learned, I really learned over the past year that sleep is so important for my mental health. Like it's, I don't have this like elaborate morning routine. I don't do a ton of rituals. I have to sleep enough. If I'm not sleeping enough, I experience that in like my mental health. And then of course, in my like actions and behaviors that come from that, like it's like night and day. So one thing that I'm doing now is just really prioritizing getting enough sleep and just making sure that like that is something that happens every single night. It just, I found that it just increases my bandwidth so much more. Like it seems like directly tied to my resilience I've noticed. So that's one thing that's really important to me. And I have to get outside at least a couple times a day, even if it's for like two minutes, I just need to like step outside for a second. That's one thing that makes a huge difference for my mental health as well. Wow. It's really empowering to see you running such a successful business and still proving that you can make time for like the slightest changes to take care of yourself. So how big is your team again? Yeah, we are a team of usually around like four or five right now. Nice. So when you are you know, managing others and you're a leader in your company, what kind of skills have you learned in, you know, caring for other people's mental health and also running a business and trying to be a leader and a boss? Yeah. Oh, this is such a good question. And honestly, it's been a challenge for me. Like exactly what you're describing, I think is the most challenging work for any business owner that starts to grow a team is like all of a sudden you're like responsible for other people, right? And I think that that's very much like glamorized in the business space, right? It's like outsource, grow a team, do all these things. And I think people don't realize like the leadership skill set and responsibilities and needs and everything that comes with that. And it's been a huge challenge for me. So I'll share some things that I've learned. And I want to preface that by just saying that this is something that I'm like still very much working on. I have in no way mastered it. (laughs) And it's like this, there's just so much humanness, right? There's my humanness, there's my team's humanness. And when that comes together in the same space, like it's just, it's a lot, right? And I think that that's been my biggest lesson is that we just need to remember that at the end of the day, we're all human. There's a couple of things that have been really helpful in the sense of balancing like accountability and humanity. That's how I describe it is like, how do we balance accountability and humanity, right? Because I'm an employer, right? I pay people to do certain things in the business, right? And I think humanity is just like really important and like similar to graciousness. Like we just all need a little bit more of that right now. Yeah. And so how do we balance those two things and how do we integrate them with each other is kind of the way that I think about this problem. So I have from the beginning felt really strongly that I want to provide the benefits that I can to my team as we can. And so we're not a big company, right? We don't have the like most robust benefits package, but we've added benefits into our benefits package for our team kind of slowly over time as we've been able to grow and have the funds to be able to do so. And so I think just giving myself permission to do what I can as I can do it and continue to build that over time has been something that has been really impactful from like a logistical perspective. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot about my communication style and how to be really honest about that in like the interview process. 
so that we can really figure out like, you know, who's a good fit to be on the team? What can they expect from me? What can I expect from them? Like, is it going to be easeful or is it going to be filled with friction? And like, what does that look like? And so really cultivating a sense of like self-awareness has been huge too. And just being willing to be really honest about that. And then I think that the next thing that I'll say is I've also had to get practiced at separating my experience from someone else's, right? And allowing both of them to be true, but having them be different from each other. And so, you know, I might be interacting with an employee and, you know, maybe a deadline was missed or I don't know, whatever, something happened. Just remembering that like I have my experience of that and they have their experience of that and really focusing on hosting a conversation that allows both of those experiences to be shared and kind of queued up next to each other with a focus on like workability, right? So instead of it being like, oh, they're wrong, I'm right. It's okay, what's needed now to move forward in this situation? Yeah. Wow. Such a beautiful perspective. You've clearly done a lot of work in that area. That's something that I admire so much because, yeah, I think about that a lot too with, you know, hiring is such a challenge as well. And just trying to always be compassionate, but also get a job done is totally a balancing act. You mentioned it a little bit, but you know, how are you hiring? Like, how do you go about the hiring process? I'm sure it's incredibly intentional, just like the rest of your business. <laughs> so one of the things that I think makes Curate Wall Co. a little bit different from a lot of the other businesses in our space is that we're continuously working towards a vertically integrated business model. And so we outsource like certain projects. And the way that we actually are growing our team is by hiring employees, like W2 employees versus, you know, outsourcing to other business owners. Right now, it's a little bit of a mix of both. But like I said, we have projects kind of outsourced, whereas we have, you know, salaried employees on our team who are kind of working all the time. And so the idea behind that is that, you know, over the long term, there's a lot of benefits from like a cost perspective, from an efficiency perspective, from a like, regenerative value perspective to have things in-house. And so that's what it means to have a vertically integrated business model. And so that's kind of like the first thing that I always think of when people say like, how do you hire? And then from like a tactical perspective, it always starts with a job description. Like, what are we actually hiring for? What is the need? And like, you know, if we're going to bring this person on, like, what are they really going to do? We need to know that first and foremost. And I try to look outside of what I call the like Instagram bubble. And so, you know, posting our job on job boards, whether it's, you know, LinkedIn or Indeed or, you know, whatever it is to have people who have, you know, a range of experiences and perspectives and skill sets that are, you know, different than mine and though are transferable into what we're doing. Nice. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I'm interested in, you brought up the Instagram bubble and you mentioned earlier about how you are expanding past the online community or something of that nature. What do you mean by that when you say that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I said is that we don't really subscribe to the like online business culture. Right. And what I mean by that is that we're living in a time and we're working in a time where starting a business is like more accessible probably than it's been in a very long time, right? Because of social media. And I think social media is a really, really powerful tool. And 
a lot of the decisions that we've made in our business and a lot of the ways that we are growing don't necessarily adhere to the like industry standards of like growing an online business, right? So the way that we are, you know, let's say making more money doesn't necessarily look like launching a course. The way that we are creating content doesn't necessarily look like people who are building a brand on social media. It's just a little bit, we're just thinking about it differently. We pull a lot of our inspiration from product-based businesses We pull a lot of our inspiration from technology companies, and we pull a lot of our inspiration from businesses that we have, you know, had the pleasure of kind of getting to know and build relationships with and really thinking about like, what are, you know, what are they doing really well? So instead of just looking to, you know, mentors who are in our space, we're really trying to look in all the other avenues of like, how do we take this concept that seemingly might not be related to what we're doing and like think about it in the context of what we're building at Carrie Wellco. I also look when I do hire people to hire people who have worked in many different industries. So for example, the photographer that we worked with has done a lot of work in like a very wide variety of contexts. And what that allows us to do is create brand imagery that's like kind of always pushing the envelope that is different, that doesn't look like everyone else's content that allows us to pull from, you know, certain sources of inspiration that like you don't really stumble across on Pinterest. And I wouldn't be able to do that without her having worked in all of these other industries and having access to that perspective outside of, you know, my Instagram feed. Wow, that is, you're just dropping all the wisdom, my friend. (laughs) Uh, So, so much good information here. If someone were, you know, like, This is probably one of my last questions. I appreciate your time so much. So I'm curious if someone is trying to go that route and think outside the box. I mean, like, do you encourage people to do that? And if so, how? I mean, how do you even get started? Because we're just consuming the same stuff all the time. Totally. And I notice that. Yeah. And it can be a little discouraging to feel like you should be doing things a certain way because that's what you're seeing all the time. So how did you kind of shift that mentality too? Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not immune to it, right? Like (laughs) there are moments where like I'm, you know, scrolling on social media, just like every other human and I get that ping of like, oh, should I be doing it that way? So I think that's a human response, right? These apps were designed literally to make us feel that way. So just like acknowledging (laughs) that for all of us. And I, you know, I do encourage people to do this because I think you make a really good point, which is like, we don't need another business that looks like this business that already exists, right? We need people to think about things, problems, solve problems differently. And so I always encourage this in my community. And I suggest starting by surrounding yourself with people who have like varied like backgrounds and perspectives. I think it's really beneficial for business owners to connect with business owners that run different businesses than they do, right? So instead of me connecting with all the other business consultants or agency owners, I'm, you know, connecting with people who do all kinds of run all kinds of different businesses. I think that's really helpful. I would say getting your hands on books that speak to the process of businesses that are a different type of business than what you're running. So for example, two of the books that I love that I think do a really good job of this, and this is not an exhaustive list, it's just two of my favorites, is Little Black Stretchy Pants by Chip Wilson. It's about Lululemon. And Creative Selection, which is about the design process at Apple. Those two books both like blew my mind in terms of like, 
you know, they talk about like how they did it, how they built their businesses. And it's really interesting to just have like a whole new set of data on how people think about processes that are, you know, outside the realm of what we're looking at. So getting your hands on some books that really kind of get into the details of different companies' processes can be really helpful as well. And I think just not being afraid to do things a little bit differently is the last thing that I would say. I think that it's really easy to get wrapped up in what the people we look up to who've done what we're trying to do are doing. And at the end of the day, like that's not who you're serving, right? You're serving your customers. And so if they're happy with what you're putting out in the world, if they're engaging with your content, if you know, if they're resonating, if they're there, if they're saying really powerful things about what you're doing, like that's what matters. That's where that momentum comes from. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Okay. Last question. When you think of dream big and live slow, what kind of life do you envision? Mm, That's a good question. I think for me, that looks like time at the beginning and at the end of the day to be. I think it looks like having space to nurture myself. I think it looks like having space to connect with other people. I think it looks like not feeling like I'm sprinting towards every deadline, but that I'm doing the things I want to do at a cadence that feels really grounded. Ooh, so good. So good. Thank you so much, Pia, for being here. How can people find you, connect with you, work with you? And what's ahead for 2022? Do you have anything? You said you have a podcast launching. Yeah, we do. So the way that you can connect with us is on Instagram. That's one of the best ways to connect with us. Our handle is at Curie Wellco, all one word. And you can visit our website at www.curatewell.co. Those are the two best ways to connect with us, to get on our email list, to learn how you can work with us, like all the things. Those are the two places you should go. And, you know, like I said, we really focused on cutting away everything that wasn't serving us for 2022. So there's only a couple ways to work with us. We've got, you know, three really specific objectives for the year. And the first one is that we are launching a podcast at the end of Q1. And I am so excited to get that out into the world. So keep an eye on all the places where you listen to podcasts. (laughs) Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. I can't wait for everyone to hear your wisdom. Mm, Thanks so much for having me. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if these stories, if these tools, if these meditations are doing something for you, if you are enjoying them, they're resonating and they are bringing you peace, please help spread the word. Send it to a friend that you think might like it or share us on social media at Dream Big Live Slow or at Teal Array or hop in my DMs. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of. But just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening and for being here and for doing this work alongside me. I'd love your help in reaching more humans like us who are working to both dream big and live slow. So thank you in advance. Love you very much. All of my love to you. Have the best day. Mwah.